Um, this year we're doing this a little bit early, just to uh, maintain the integrity of the whole thing. Uh, as far as you outside here, it's the 23rd of October. Um, and uh, as uh, wonderful things have developed in our family this year, it's you know, good for my parents to be here now, and we are assuming uh, that they may not be here around uh, of Badar. If they will be, it's a shame it should be for a good thing. And But meanwhile, we're taking advantage of their presence here to have this uh, annual gathering at this time, a bit early this year, so to speak. Um, and it's very appropriate that we're talking about the issue of thank you. We've, tied, we've entitled the session, Thank You, <coughs> Why, How, When, When, How, Why. And as we approach Hanukkah, which is a conjunctive, which is established for Halloween and Hadadah, conjunctive, a holiday that's established to give praise and to say thanks, the theme, of course, is very appropriate for this time of year. But it's also appropriate at every time of year, as uh, we'll soon see in all sense. So um, just want to tell you that we just, uh, thank God, we, we're just back from uh, the wedding of my parents' great-granddaughter, uh, our granddaughter. And um, it was uh, obviously a wonderful, wonderful symptom for all of us. But it was an added symptom because so many of the family members were there together and some others were together. And we had a chance really to see Amman Hillel, who was one of Rafa's descendants, his son and daughters and grandchildren are there. And uh, not only that, the next day they took the opportunity to meet with my parents, with their grandparents. Uh, at the uh, at the airport before we boarded the plane, so we had little babies crawling all over the place, and uh, other ones. We had some Amman Hillel's there, so it was really a wonderful, wonderful gathering. And uh, I mention that because it's really for me personally a source of the reinforced emuna, reinforced faith in Hashem, a trust in Hashem. That uh, more than twenty years after the loss of my brother, when he passed away and left four young children with his bride. Um, obviously, you know, we were just desperately pleading with God for compassion that things should work out for the family. And thank God, with the tremendous devotion of our mom's wife, Gloria, that should live and be well, and with the help of Hashem, we have seen, my parents have seen tremendous nachas. Uh, each of them are married and married to wonderful people. And they have wonderful children, and uh, it's really just a, a wonderful, wonderful chesed from the Kodesh Baruch Hu that we, none of us in the family, takes for granted. So we're here very much on a happy occasion, and we're here to uh, make sure that everybody leaves even happier than when they came. How about that? Uh, you know, because saying thank you makes you happy. Anyway, without any uh, further delay, I give you my father. The old treat and have uh, spent time with my parents. I have to tell you this. I'm going to add a living a little bit. What can you do? Like, I have a crowd in front of me. I can't not talk. <laughs> Let me just say, you know, um, <clears throat> we, we have our parents here in Atlanta a few weeks a year. Uh, we had a very intense 72 hours when we went to and from the wedding. Um, and we were with them basically the entire 72 hours from beginning to end, from early, early Monday morning till late Wednesday night. A nine-hour trip up to Lakewood, a nine-hour trip back, including you know, the rent cars and the luggage and boarding the planes and the whole thing, and weather and everything, snow, the whole deal. So it's interesting. Um, I, I would expect 
with the average age between my parents of 89.3, or maybe it's 90.1, but the average age is somewhere around 90. Um, I would expect somewhere between uh, Monday morning and Wednesday night when we spent our time together to find one slight question, or not even a complaint, but a hint of why did you do it this way, or maybe we should do this, or maybe we shouldn't do this, or what are we eating, right? Nothing, nothing but appreciation and good humor and just um, a youthful vigor that uh, didn't match at all, 90.3. So really, it's uh, really a delight to be with them. And uh, even in private, uh, even under trying circumstances, they're really just unbelievably youthful and filled with appreciation. And um, my mother particularly expressed over and over again how small she feels and unworthy she feels for all of the chesed that she's experiencing. And my father uh, has said that as well, but my mother has said it very, very often because she can't say it enough. So really a pleasure, pleasure to introduce you, my father. Admit, 
I confess. What is it that I admit when I say confess? Well, in the morning a Jew gets up and the first thing that comes out of his mouth, first words are, some of you may remember that. Some of you may still say it. Some of you were taught that as children. So the translations are, I, I thank you, O God. Eternal King. But what it really means, purely, is I confess to you. I admit to you, what do I admit? That Melech Hayakayon, that you are the eternal king. And I, I admit to you and confess to you and acknowledge that you gave me back my faculties that were inactive while I was asleep for the last few hours. So Modeh, Toda means Hoda'a, it means confession and admission. You find that word toda throughout the Davide. There's Mismorla Toda in the Shacharis. There are Modi Manachnulach in the Shmona Esrei that we say three times a day, every single day of the year. Modi Manachnulach. There's Hodu. These are all the words up here on the board. Some of them, some of you can't see, but uh, take a look at it. Todah, can you hear me? Todah, yeah. thanks, a common word. Todah, acknowledgement. Modeh, ani, we just talked about. Lehodot uh, means to confess. Hodu, Hodu Lashem Pito, Lolom Pasco, everybody familiar with that? We say it on Hallel, we say the beginning of Shacharis. Hodu Lashem Pito, I confess to you. What am I confessing? That you're good. I'm confessing something much more important. I'm confessing that I am not independent. I am admitting that you are the God. I am not independent. I am dependent. That's the key of the meaning of the word to God. I'm dependent. A better word, a, a, a probably more accurate word for thank you in Hebrew is hakorat satov. Hakorat satov, if you want to start the Israeli way of saying. Hakorat satov means recognizing the good that someone does for me. Recognizing it, not forgetting it. Hakorat. It's the same thing as todah, but it means a little something a little bit more deep than uh, simply a thank you. The great sin of Pharaoh in Egypt, in the Egypt story, his great sin, according to the sages, was not that he um, persecuted the Jews. The great sin of Pharaoh was that he lacked According to the sages, Hakaratatov. He didn't appreciate what Yosef had done for Egypt. 
just a short while earlier, he was like a new king, maybe he was a new king, whatever it was. The Pharaoh, the lineage of kings of Egypt were guilty of a lack of a Korosatot. They were guilty of feeling independent and not dependent. Now, many of the things that I want to get tonight, I'm not going to get to for lack of time, so be, be sure you stay on a little bit and we try to uh, uh, discuss some of these things during our informal uh, Q&A period after this. The thing of dependence is not natural. When I, when I say um, thank you and I mean I am dependent on you, it's not natural. It's not natural for a human being to feel dependent. The natural thing is to feel independent. A father or a mother will train a child and say, say thank you to the man who just gave you a gift. The child may say it, but it's just wrote. Because naturally the child's going to feel that the whole world revolves around me. I don't have to say uh, thank you to anyone. I don't have to be dependent on anyone. I am independent. Gradually, the mother and father train the child to say thank you, but it, it's still a matter of growth. Unfortunately, when the child grows up, becomes an adult, it still remains a matter of growth. It sometimes doesn't change. It remains something, so it's been difficult to confess that I am dependent on someone else. Thank you in classical Judaism is not a verbal thing. It's a, it's a thing of action. When a Jew in classical times wants to uh, thank God for something, he brings a korban todo, a thanks offering. He says something when he brings a thank offering, but it's not just verbal, it is something active. And when he brings his first fruits to the temple, to the base of Mikdash, he has a prayer that describes the gratitude of a Jew towards his God and the dependence of a Jew towards his God. I'll read part of it to you. It was here before, I'm sure it's here now. First fruits to the temple, the Lakacha Kohen The Kohen will take the basket of your first fruits from your hand, and you will say to him, an Aramean, which means Laban, about whom we're reading in Sedra these weeks, tried to destroy my forefather. He descended to Egypt and sojourned there. My forefather did. 
few in number. There he became a nation, great, strong, numerous. The Egyptians mistreated us and afflicted us and placed hard work upon us. Then we cried out to Hashem, and Hashem heard our voice and said, and saw our affliction and our travail and our oppression. Hashem took us out of Egypt with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. He brought us to this place and he gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now behold, I have brought the first fruit of the ground that you have given me, O God, and I shall lay it before Hashem. You are my God and you shall bow down before Hashem your God and you shall rejoice with the goodness that Hashem your God has given you. So this is the, the, the verbalizing of the sense of thank you, of gratitude, of beholdenness of, that a Jew feels towards God at the time of this great, great gift of the first fruits. Ironically, ironically, this gift, this ability to appreciate that I am dependent on someone else leads to personal happiness. Because the Torah says, the somafto, not just that you shall be happy, you can't uh, command someone to be happy. But the Torah promises us, if you do this, you will be happy. The somafto, you shall be happy, you will be happy before the Lord your God. Ultimately, can you hear me? Hakara Tato, when you really get down to it, the sense of dependence on others and the sense of dependence on God is really the essence of Judaism. There are very few things more important than that. These are the crucial aspects of being a Jew, of realizing that there is something above me and I am dependent on that something that is above me. So the bottom line of Todah, of thank you, the bottom line is not to take anything that is given to you for granted. I am beholden to you for helping me. I confess to you that I need you around me to help me, whether it be God or another human being. I don't take you for granted. That's the key. So, whether it be Mode Ali, I don't take you for granted. Whether it be Birkat Hamazon, the dressing after food, I don't take you for granted. Whether it be um, a person uh, uh, giving gifts, receiving gifts, I don't take it for granted. Whether it be parents and children, I don't take it for granted. Whether it be husbands and wives, I don't take it for granted. Imagine if. Uh, Husbands would say to their wives occasionally, I don't take you for granted. Imagine if a wife would say to her husband, I don't take you for granted. If you revolutionize the whole domestic scene, 
imagine if parents would say to grown children, I don't take you for granted. Imagine if grown children would say to their elderly parents, I don't take you for granted. The whole world would change, society would change. I don't take you for granted. This week, this Shabbos, please God, we'll be reading in Shul, in Shul's around the world, uh, Yaakov um, is returning back to his home after being with Lovon for many, many years. And he's all alone, and he crosses the river Yabok. And in the eighth verse of this Sedra, he says famously, Kotonti Mikola Chasodi Mikola Emes Asher Sisa Imabdecha. I have become diminished. I am made humble by all the goodness that you have done to me over the years. Again, it's a perfect expression of dependence, of humility. I, Yaakov, one of the great forefathers of the Jewish people, am humbled by your presence and what you have done for me, Kotonti. We're leaving, uh, my wife and I are leaving back for Israel in a few days, actually, leaving on uh, Sunday. And uh, this is our last opportunity, this visit, to say hello to members of the congregation. Uh, although I've had a lot of chance to say hello to members of the congregation, Kiddush, and so forth and so on, but publicly like this. So I want to thank you all. Thank you. That we are beholden, my wife and I are beholden to you. We don't take you for granted. We confess that you are very, very important. You have been very, very important in our lives, and you're still very, very important in our lives, and hopefully continue to be important in our lives. You are, you may not know it, one of the great synagogues in America. And you may not know this, and I say this totally objectively, you have one of the great rabbis in America. <laughs> Is the applause for uh, my understatement? Or, uh, maybe, maybe not in America, maybe not in the world, but certainly in America. No question about it. So, don't take it for granted, that's all I'm saying. We don't take you for granted. Don't take your shul, marvelous shul, with all its issues, with all its problems. You have a marvelous synagogue here. Believe me, I get around the country, I get around the world. You have one of the great synagogues and wonderful people. And my wife and I was reminiscing the other night how fortunate we were when we came here I was 24, 25 years old. My wife was, well, I won't tell you how old she was. But she was a very, very young Rebbitson, a uh, number of years younger than I. And we were accepted by the small community we had then with open arms. I was the youngest person in the community. And she was certainly the youngest woman in the community. So we have grown up together. Not only my wife and I have grown up together, but the synagogue and I have grown up together. 
and we confess and admit and acknowledge the greatness of this community and we're grateful to have been part of it. So with this, I'll leave you tonight. Rabbi Alon is not going to say a few words. I left you five minutes. <laughs> and uh, please do stay on for uh, the session that we're going to have the Q&A right after uh, this, this session is over. Okay? Good night. story of my entire life, I am left to explain what my father meant. <laughs> I mentioned earlier that Hanukkah is coming, and I mentioned the theme of Hanukkah is Hadovahoda, praise and thank you. And it's, um, it's more than just that during those eight days, we give praise and thank you. It's that Chazal, when they established Hanukkah, they said that the day itself will be Hanukkah when you offer praise and thanks. That's the essence of the day. It's not that there's Hanukkah, and on that day you shall give Halal Vahodah. You create Hanukkah by Halal Vahodah. That's the, the day becomes a special day because of the undertaking of the Jewish people to actually acknowledge God, to praise Him, but also to thank Him. Uh, Rabbi Weinberg, um, Miriam's father, used to teach us that there is no Yom Tov whose goal is simply for you to observe the Yom Tov and then move on. The goal of every holiday is to train us in some aspect of our relationship with God so that after having undertaken that training, we can then carry that skill into the year. Hanukkah is the period of time when we practice thank you. It's a concentrated period of time. And the reason Hanukkah is that period of time is because to say thank you, as my father indicated, requires you to acknowledge the source of everything. And that's our battle with, uh, with Greek philosophy. Because Greek philosophy took whatever it saw on face value. What you see is what there is. There is nothing beyond that. Nature itself speaks for itself. The Jew says nature is a facade that leads you ultimately to God. And we're going to peel away the facade and see what's behind the natural world. And we're going to see the supernatural, which is behind the natural and above the natural, so to speak. So Hanukkah is a time when we practice doing exactly what will defeat that whole approach that sought to destroy us, that approach that said, what you see is all there is. That's it. There's nothing beyond it. Nature is nature. And we say no. Thank you says, I'm going to trace this to its source. And that's why we have that holiday, eight days, in order to learn to practice the idea of thanking God and thanking others. Now, it's important for us to realize you can't thank God if you're not in a mode of thank you with others. You can't thank others if you're not in a mode of thanking God. It's a way of being. It's an attitude. The attitude is, 
I don't deserve. It's not coming to me. It's not expected. It's not something that uh, I was born with a license for whatever it is I have. And if I don't have it, somebody is wrong. And I have to find the complaint department in order to say that I should have this. Nothing is coming to me. I'm humble. I don't believe that anybody owes me anything. And therefore, when I receive it, I actually feel humble and I feel gracious. I feel gratitude. I feel debt because it didn't have to be that way. I didn't have to be. You know, it's hard for me to believe this, but the world existed before I was born. And even more difficult to believe is the world will continue to exist after I'm done. I can't believe it. It's shocking. How is the world going to manage without me? The answer is, I'm just a, a, a piece, a little speck. But we are, we are born with ourselves as the center of the universe. And we could say that all of life is a, a voyage to discover that the center is over there not over here. And piece by piece, the illusion that I'm at the center gets dismantled. And if we're successful, we can create a different impression, which is that the center of the universe is the source of the universe, is God himself. So we asked three questions. Thank you. How, why, and when? So let me, let me just kind of answer the how and the why and the when. So first of all, uh, let's go with why. So why should we? So my father already said the whole thing, but let me just elaborate a little bit. There's a, there's a, um, a very famous, to those who know it, statement from Nachmanides, from the Ramban, at the end of Parshas Bo, where the Torah itself talks about the miracles of Egypt and how we're supposed to remember them and recall them and, and uh, concretize them in our lives through Tefillin and through other things, through Pesach. And the Ramban there talking about miracles, I'll quote just the end of a long, elaborate piece. Says the Ramban, not my least, through the great open miracles, one comes to admit the hidden miracles, which constitute the foundation of the whole Torah. For no one can have a part in the Torah of Moses, our teacher. It's an amazing statement. No one can have a part in the Torah unless he believes that all our words and our events are miraculous in scope there being no natural or customary way of the world in them, whether affecting the public or the individual. Instead, if a person observes the commandments, his reward will bring him success. And if he violates them, his punishment will cause his extinction. It means not only in this world, it means in the world to come. It's by decree of the Most High, as I've already mentioned. The hidden miracles done to the public come to be known, as is mentioned in the assurances of the Torah on the subject of the blessings and imprecations. Then he says, thus it will become known to all nations that their punishment came from God, and of the fulfillment of the commandments it says, and all the peoples of the earth shall see the name of the eternal is called upon thee. And I'll explain this later with the help of God. The point being that when we see open miracles, that's supposed to train us to see hidden miracles. When we see hidden miracles, that means what happens every day? What goes on every day? Because every day is a miracle. But it takes training. So why do we say thank you? Because that's the job of the Jew, as my father said, to confess, to acknowledge, to recognize that we live at God's will. He brought us here. 
We live for his will. We don't live for our own agenda. We live for his will. And we live to notice him and to see him behind the veil because he created a world in which, for all kinds of reasons, he wants us to actually work to see him. So saying thank you is really a development of a whole attitude. Um, there are people, if you Google gratitude, if you Google gratitude, you will find um, volumes of books on how to develop the, the attitude of gratitude. And uh, you'll find one of the best uh, selling in this genre of books uh, are gratitude journals. What's a gratitude journal? It's, an, it's a, a very a structured way of taking down the various benefits that you've experienced every single day. Every single one of us experiences benefits that we kind of take for granted. So for example, my father and I came in tonight for a talk. You're here, as my father said. That makes a big difference. We owe you. Thank you for being here so we have somebody to talk to and make a difference for. The chairs were here. How did that happen? The custodians set them up. And I will tell you a secret. They set them up three times. And they came to me and said, is this right? And I said, thank you for asking. I wouldn't have wanted to bother you, but it's not exactly the way we wanted it. And they said, no problem. And they set it up again. I appreciate that. We have the custodians who really want to serve the well-being of the show, and they do it every single day. So that's an opportunity to say thank you. But it goes on and on once you start thinking about it. Do you know something that really makes a difference to me? I will tell you this. You're going to think I'm crazy. My left toe on my left foot doesn't hurt today. It didn't hurt yesterday either, and it didn't hurt last week. But it did hurt three years ago, and when it hurt, my entire life was ruined. But I woke up this morning and I didn't thank God for the fact that I have no pain in my left toe, or the toe next to it, or the toe next to it. And each one of those things, if that wasn't so, I would be in agony, and I'd be complaining, and everybody who knew me would know about it. So there's so much to be thankful for, but we do take it for granted, and we do assume that it should be this way, and it's going to be this way until it's not that way, and then we beg for it. We beg for it. So it's our job really not to take anything for granted and to be fully aware. The um, halacha says that a Jew should recite 100 brachas a day. Me'ah brachas b'chalya. 100 brachas a day. And if the truth is, it's not that difficult to, to tally up 100. And we'll go through that right now. What's the source of that? The source of that is a passage in Devarim, Deuteronomy, where Moshe turns to the Jewish people and says, And now Israel, what does God ask of you other than? And then he gives a long laundry list of what God asks, uh, which basically fear and love of heaven. So, Chazal see in the word Ma, what does God ask of you? They say Ma, that stands for Meya, which is a hundred. Meya, Hashem is asking a hundred of you. A hundred times a day, He's asking for you to acknowledge it. Now, how does that come from that passage? It doesn't seem to fit. What does the word what have to do with the word 100? So my understanding is that the idea is that to the degree that you say, what am I? Nothing but dust and ashes. To the degree that you get that, to that degree you're able to be appreciative of all the good that's bestowed upon you. When you think you're something, then you think you're owed something. When you think you're nothing, and I don't mean you have low self-esteem, 
when you think you're nothing, that the world owes you nothing, then you're filled with gratitude. And that's where you get 100 blessings a day. You can't stop blessing God, because wherever you turn, you see another benefit. As well, Chazal tells us that the 100 blessings a day correspond to the 100 sockets, the 100 silver sockets under the um, panels of the Mishnah, the forerunner of the Beis HaMikdash, the portable tabernacle. What in the world does that have to do with the sockets of the tabernacle? So my understanding of that is that the basis for the presence of God in our lives is thank you. That's what the Mishnah was all about. It was bringing the presence of God into the world. Say the sages, you want God in your world, in your life? Notice him a hundred times a day. Interrupt your day a hundred times, so to speak, which means infinitely. Interrupt your day and thank him and recognize him as the source of so much that you're getting. So why do we do this? Because that's the Jewish way. That's what it is to be a Jew. Um, and what gets in the way? What stops people? What stops us human beings from saying thank you? Why don't we do it more often, sincerely? Why don't we feel gratitude? Why do we even need journals to structure our appreciation so that we can get into the habit of it? Why don't we habitually say thank you? No one denies it when it's pointed out. So what is it about us? So as my father indicated before, because we're created to be naturally independent. That's really our, our nature. And the moment that we say thank you, we think we've surrendered our independence. The truth is we haven't. The truth is we've actually displayed our strength when we say thank you. Because the fact is we have no choice but to live in a world in which we need each other. And there are those who admit they need each other and those who deny they need each other. All need each other and all can. You can't even use the air to deny that you need someone else without realizing that it was provided to you by somebody other than you. You can't even use your lungs, which work automatically. Imagine if it was your lungs had to wait for you to figure out how to breathe. Right? It's amazing. They work automatically. It's a gift that your lungs take care of you most of the time, thank God. So um, we, don't, we, we don't want to surrender our independence. I would put all this under one, one rubric. There's one word that gets in the way of human beings in almost every endeavor. One thing that stops human beings from performing optimally and living up to what we're capable. That's survival. We are all designed to try to survive a perceived threat. There is a threat, by the way. Let me tell you a secret. We're going to die. And we are so afraid of that that we spend our every day making sure we don't. And therefore, survival becomes our key thing. And any threat to our survival, we will do whatever we can to avoid. And saying, thank you, I needed you, means that you owe me. That means I owe you. You own me, and I owe you. And that means my survival is at risk. That's one possible reason that we have a natural inclination to complain instead of to compliment. You know the, the old uh, joke, uh, I forgot who, the Jewish guy, one of the old Jewish guy. Um, uh, Jack Mason, how do you know that? Who said Jackie Mason? Thank you, yeah, Jackie, Jackie Mason, and then talks about the guy 
heard that the couple had come back from a from a vacation destination, and the wife says the food there it was awful, and the guy says yeah, and the portions were so small. <laughs> so you know when you have a natural inclination to complain, you're even complaining when you're happy. Like, you know, it's amazing. So so uh, uh, and then the other thing is we actually we actually do function with this notion that things are coming to us. All right, so why does God care that we say thank you to him? Does God need us to say thank you? Why does God want us to acknowledge him a hundred times a day? Because we don't get it. Thank you is not something you pay back for something that somebody did to you. Thank you is a relationship. What God created us for is a relationship. When we say thank you to God or to another person, we're actually enhancing a relationship. Because when we say you provided me with something, I'm acknowledging that you cared about me, and that care about me makes a difference to me. That's a relationship. And so God says, I put you in the world to know me, and the way you're going to know me is to recognize all the things I give you constantly. And that way you'll come to relate to me. And that's why I created you. The way a parent relates to a child, parent showers on, on, onto the child so that the child can exist. And the parent wants the child to know I'm doing this because I love you. You know, Chazal, the sages say something very interesting about gifts. They say, The very opposite of what we would think. One who gives a gift to his friend has to let him know. Why is that? Because if I give you a gift and you don't know who gave it to you, you can't relate. Then the gift becomes the issue. If I give you a car and you don't know I gave you the car, the car becomes the issue. But if I give you a car and you know I gave you the car, I become the issue. Now you're relating to me because I cared enough about you to present you with something of value that you needed and that you cherish. Every time you get in the car, you think of me. So a gift is a relationship. Thank you is nothing other than cementing the relationship. Appreciation. Let's think about this. What does the word appreciation mean? Well, we know in other contexts, appreciation actually means adding value. When you appreciate something, you're actually adding value in the vein that I just discussed. Because when I appreciate what was done, I took what was done and added value to it because I turned it into a connection. So I'm actually adding value. Now, how? How do you say thank you? So first of all, as my father indicated, um, the, the, uh, the term that Hazal used for one who denies, for one who refuses to acknowledge the good, is not one who denies the good. The word in Hebrew is kafui tov. Kafui tov does not mean I deny the good. The opposite of acknowledging the good is one who feels forced by the good. Kafui tov is I feel forced by the good. It drives me nuts that you did something for me. I wish I didn't have to acknowledge it, but I have to, especially because since I was two years old, my parents say, say thank you to the man for the lollipop, say thank you. And so I learned that thank you is an obligation in exchange for suffering. It's something I must do to pay back for what I got, as opposed to actually appreciating, adding value to the relationship. 
And maybe we ought to say to our kids, not say thank you to the man, but the man loves you. He gave you this. The man cares about you. He gave you this. That might be more to the point than having them utter some words. Because then we grow up and we think that thank you is what is owed. Believe it or not, what thank you makes the difference? The thank you that is obligatory or the thank you that didn't have to be said? So, for example, if I go to uh, the, the uh, dollar store, I was going to say five and nine store, and I'm a bad boy. Actually, I want to be futuristic. If I go to the ten dollar store and, and I buy a card, and I buy a card that says that says thank you, and I you know, put it in the envelope and I hand it to you, you open it up and it's some guy in Columbus, Ohio, wrote the words thank you a thousand times, and they put some glitter on it, and then I give it to you. It doesn't mean anything. But if I wrote the card myself, I didn't have to do that. If I if the T was in red and the H was in purple and the A was in green and I gave you that, wow, I really invested it. The point is that a thank you has got to be a creation of the one who thanks. If I thank you because I'm stuck thanking you, it's not a thank you, right? It's only a thank you if I didn't have to do that, if it was beyond what was expected. Meaning if I created the thank you, if I'm actually, it's an act of creation. It's not an exchange. You give me something, I give you back a thank you. That's not, that doesn't, that's not thank you. Thank you is only by, by definition. It's an act of creation of something new that didn't have to be there. So how to do it, you always want to think about, if you really want to say thank you, how can you say thank you in a way that really communicates to the other person that I get that you can care about me and that makes a difference to me. And you actually add it to my life in a way that wouldn't have happened without you. That's right. And again, not to say those words. Could just be, like I said, a colorful a thank you note. Or not a thank you note. Something else. But something that's an act of creation as opposed to an exchange. When? When do you say thank you? So the question itself is misleading because there is no time to say thank you, because all time is time to say thank you. Thank you is a way of being. Ultimately, we want to be in mode of thankfulness. We want to develop a vocabulary of gratitude in advance of anything. Not only that, we want to be looking for things to say thank you. Research shows that people who say thank you and mean it actually sleep better. So look up Robert Emmons, Robert Emmons, E-M-M-E-N-S. Robert Emmons has spent 10 years doing studies on gratitude for the point of showing scientifically that saying thank you and expressing it actually increases quality of life in all areas, in marriages, in relationships, in work, in corporations, in relationship to God also. It changes everything. So. So uh, we, we want to be, look, we don't want to wait for reasons to say thank you. You don't wait, you look. You actually look for it and you're always in a mode of appreciation even before anything particular happens. I'm going to close just with a couple of practic practices, just recommended practices. One, um, the gratitude journal. It's an amazing, it's an amazing, um, it's an amazing tool. Some people have gratitude jars and every time that he noticed anything gratitude, and take a penny or a nickel or a dime and put it in a jar, 
then they fill up the jar. It's great to do it with a family. And then you take the jar and give it to some cause, some charitable cause. That way you turn all of your appreciation into benefit of something else in the world. But just watch the, the jar grow. And when you start creating the habit of noticing and counting and listing what you appreciate, it's an amazing thing. Literally, a person can be moved to tears every day just by noticing quote-unquote routine goodness. Um, or perhaps you don't want another to do in your life. You don't want the jar. You don't want the journal. Just integrate it into everyday life. If you're going about everyday life anyway. There's so many opportunities to feel and express gratitude. Um, develop the vocabulary of thankfulness. There is a vocabulary of thankfulness. Besides the words thank you. As a matter of fact, thank you is very overused. Matter of fact, I've noticed that my life thank you is the way of ending a phone call. Thank you, which is a nice way of saying, can you please stop talking because I want to go on to the next phone call. Thank you. <laughs> so, so thank you is not the most potent way of saying thank you. There are other ways. Um, and finally, um, as my father mentioned, Mikra Bikura, the paragraph that's recited over the first fruits, says, verbalize, say it. After all, 800 years after the getting of Israel, they're still saying the same paragraph? The answer is yes, because when you verbalize it, it actually brings it and makes it, makes it true. And uh, just one more point. We think of saying thank you as thank you to God or thank you to people. That's all true. There's also thank you to objects. A very Jewish notion laced through all Chazal and Tanakh that not only do we appreciate people, we appreciate things. Because when it comes to gratitude, it's not only that I owe you or that you expect to thank you. It's that I'm actually humbled by the fact that this coat warmed me. I needed the coat. I therefore value it. I'm not going to mistreat it. Or this institution helped me. I therefore value the institution. Or this building. That's why Moshe couldn't uh, uh, initiate the plays against the sand, because the sand helped cover over something that he could have gotten in trouble for, etc. So even the sand doesn't care. Sand has no feelings. But Moshe was training himself that even with objects, he's going to be appreciative and filled with gratitude. So thank you all, really thank you all for your, for your, uh, for your attention. I see most of you are still with me. Uh, we're going to take a very short break, get some coffee or not, or use the facilities. Then we're going to gather more informally over there, and we're going to have an open Q&A on anything and everything. The board's are open. Thank The last second, it just disappeared. I had it, and then it went. Hey, Harry.
What'd you lose? I thought I was recording it. It didn't go. Hi, hi, how are you? Nice to see you too. Nice, my church. Why not? Why not? 